Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. It's me, noted cat lady Mary Phillips Sandy. Producer Lizzie and I are working on new episodes. They'll be coming out in September. But to tide you over, we're releasing three mini-episodes over the next three weeks featuring some of our favorite moments from Season 1, plus new stories from me. Also, a reminder that you can send us a shout-out for your cat, or any cat who deserves a shout-out. doesn't have to be yours. Just email shouts at letstalkaboutcats.com. Tell us your cat's name, city or state, and whatever message you'd like included. I'll read those out at the end of the new episodes. And while you're at it, subscribe. Cats! Let's talk about cats. Hello, I'm noted cat lady Mary Phillips Sandy, and you have arrived at Let's Talk About Cats Summer Camp, Episode 2. You know, we're making these mini episodes as little snacks until season two starts in September, and uh, that will be a full buffet, I promise. Uh, but in the meantime, you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter at letstalkaboutcats.com slash newsletter. It only takes a second, and I will wait for you right now. Okay, we're back. And today we are talking cat facts. Many of you have told us that the cat quiz is your favorite part of the show, but did you know, fun fact, we also drop a bunch of cat facts just in the course of normal conversation when I'm talking with our guests because that's just the kind of cat people we are around here. Extremely knowledgeable and a lot of fun at parties. You know, imagine you're at a party with me and comedians Andy Beckerman and Naomi Paragon. You wander over to talk about uh, sports. I don't know what people talk about. Shoes. But Andy, Naomi, and I just want to talk about cats. And Hegel's Phenomenology of the Spirit, obviously. It'll go something like this. I am really fascinated by this idea, this concept of a collective consciousness. This idea that we, as a society, all of our consciousness rises up into something that is a whole, that is a unit, right? Geist. Geist. (laughs) Are cats part of the geist, or is their collective consciousness something separate, perhaps a cat geist? I think cats are part of it by dint of being uh, part of human culture. Like, do you ever notice this? Hey, here's a bit. Do you ever <laughs> oh, notice this? No, 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 but like, <laughs> there are things that our cats, by being around us, have learned. Yes. And so right. they have, like, there's a little bit of human culture in cats. Like, definitely, like, they use their paws like hands. At least my sure. cats. Yeah, to tap you, right? They, yes. The meowing is like, right? And in, in the wild, cats are silent. Right. And they meow because they know that that will get attention. Right. They've yeah. learned this from us. Right. Yeah, there are things they've learned from us. So I, and also like in the in, in the internet years, we've elevated cats to like pop culture icons, sure. memeable. Mm-hmm. So I think <laughs> be- through that they have become part of the Geist, mm-hmm. and then of course Geist feeds back into us as individuals, and then we create Geist. It's a feedback loop. Yes. Wow. Right. So the cat consciousness affects our consciousness in an ongoing circle. I don't think they have their own separate consciousness. See, I, I think, think they do. I think they do. But, really? I think but they have to they have to have some in inroads to creating their own culture. I don't think animals uh <laughs> I don't know. I animals, think animals have their own culture. No, I don't believe that because they have to have symbolic competence. So I think there are some animals. Well, I that's think dolphins. I think dolphins maybe. We're not talking have... about dolphins. The show is not. Let's talk no, about no, no, dolphins. But I'm saying. I'm saying the animal has to have symbolic competence to be able to create culture. Well, I didn't read the Wikipedia for symbolic competence, so I'm not going to comment on that. But I truly believe that cats. I agree with you. They are part of our consciousness. 
and our collective consciousness, I also believe that they have a cat geist mostly because I just like saying <laughs> well, cat I was geist. Say, I think cat I think that's it, really it. That's the, the wonderful line. book, The Symbolic Species, it goes oh, into... God. Yeah, I'll put, that on, that. I'll put that on my to-do list, Andy. <laughs> it's, sure. great. it's a great that's book. That's a great idea. Yeah, about that. Um, I still have not read The Symbolic Species. And yet I do have chronic insomnia, so that is on me. All right, maybe I will get to it. Now look, cats have been part of human history for about 12,000 years. That's something like 19 million cats whose stories have left a tiny paw print on the pages of our history books. With so many cats and so many people with cats, even I, a noted cat lady, have a lot left to learn. Which is why I was so pleased to have the encyclopedic Holly Fry, host of Stuff You Missed in History Class, on the show. And she taught me about a woman with an extremely unusual cat... And then she explained why history isn't always so kind to cat people. Marquesa Luisa Casati was kind of like the style maker and fashion maven. Uh, and she would walk around Venice with her pet, Cheetah on a Leash. As you um, do. <laughs> and, As you do. And she had some other exotic cats that no one should really keep as a pet. Sure. Uh, that she would trot out at parties and they would always be you know, utterly bejeweled with like amazing things. She had a very fascinating... Uh, wonderfully glamorous seeming, but also kind of a mess of a life as is always the case. Yeah. Um, she might be my favorite though, just for pure style points. I mean, just imagine like waking up in the morning and being like, I guess I'll just, I'll put the jewels on my cheetah and go for a stroll. I mean, right. <laughs> what a, what a way to be. Yeah. There's a great famous photo of her walking along and she's shopping and she's like standing there window shopping and, and the cat is just like, somebody let me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't ask for this. I did not. You know, it's it's interesting, though. Like, I do this a lot for the show, and we've talked about it before. But, you know, trying to figure out who had a cat, who didn't have a cat, right? And for, you know, contemporary people, it's usually pretty easy to figure out. Everybody has Instagram now. People in the past, you know, you're relying on biographers and historians to record whether or not they had cats. And often it's just not something that gets mentioned either way. Right. Because like so many other details about people's lives, you know, their romantic relationships, their, you know, even even the foods they ate sometimes, their their style of dress. We, we know about these things. Do you think pet ownership is something that is unfairly overlooked by historians? And if so, why? I don't know if pet ownership is in general. I think cat ownership is in okay. general, right? Like, And part of that is the unfortunate mischaracterization that's gone on forever that cats are these aloof things that don't really care about the humans that are providing for them. And, of course, anybody who has actually had a cat knows like that's not how that works at all. And so I think, too, because they have been seen as these very independent kind of working animals. Like, okay, the cats come and they take care of the rodents and they protect the grain silos and but we're they're not really family the way you know a dog would be unless you live in ancient Egypt and that's a whole separate party you know speaking of Italy which of course is where Venice is which is where the Marchesa was wandering around with her cheetah journalist Adam Serwer is something of an expert in all things Italian so when he was on he helped us launch our new vertical let's talk about cats travel where we offer up the very best of cat tours in the world has to offer and he started us off with this hot tip. If any of your listeners ever go to Rome, there are two cat sanctuaries located in prominent Roman ruins. There's the um, 
Torre Argentina, which is supposedly the site where Julius Caesar was murdered, it is now a lair of the cats. You can't actually walk into the ruins, but cats frolicking in the ruins of human civilization is some kind of awesome metaphor. There's an actual cat sanctuary where you can go in and you can meet the cats and you can adopt one if you feel like it. There's another one, which is a pyramid that's located near the Protestant cemetery in Rome, and it is also a cat sanctuary with lots of friendly cats. And if you walk into the cemetery, the cats are hanging out there, and they'll probably come up to you and say what's up. And I I met a lot of friendly cats in both places. So if you are a cat fan, and you probably are if you're listening to this, uh, I highly recommend going to either of those places. Thank you, Adam. I said this on the episode, and I will say it again here. Rome Tourism Bureau, get at me. I have a valid passport, and I'm allergic to everything. Let's do this. Now, of course, you don't have to go all the way to Italy to immerse yourself in cat culture. I mean, right here in New York City, we have lions on our library steps and a cat at every bodega. Shout out, by the way, to Oreo, the hardest working cat in Washington Heights. Um, Oreo actually runs a health food store, but clearly learned the trade from the best bodega cats in the business. Um, Shout out to you, Oreo. I'll see you soon. But unfortunately, there's a serious lack of cat representation in New York City's official symbol, which is something Curb New York editor Amy Plitt had to learn the hard way on our show. You are something of an expert on New York City. I like to think so. Do you know what animal is on the seal of the city of New York? I didn't even know there was an animal on the seal of the city of New York. (sighs) Amy. Amy. Uh, Listen, there is an eagle. Setting that aside, it's a bird. The only animal on the seal of the city of New York is a beaver. Oh, that makes sense. Trapping. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that a beaver is not really representative of New York City today in 2018. Oh, definitely Call not. me crazy. I don't know about you. I haven't been trapping in a long time. I don't know anyone who goes trapping. No. But I believe a cat is the quintessential New York City animal. If you think about it, they don't really give a fuck, but they also care very deeply. They're there for you in a crisis. Mm-hmm. They um, have strong opinions about things. They like what they like. They don't like what they don't like. They're mindful of their own space, their personal space, when you invade their space. I think that you've presented a really compelling argument for this, and I would support it 100%. Okay, so that's one down. Great. We just need, we probably just need a few thousand more signatures there. Just a few more. You know, as with all of the issues facing our city right now, I think this is definitely top of the list. Now, look, if you're anything like me, you try to use words thoughtfully. So I'm sure you've all memorized PETA's replacements for animal abusive phrases. You remember uh, this came out, I think, earlier this year, maybe late 2018. They they put out this thing saying that everyone should stop saying stuff like beat a dead horse because instead we should say feed a fed horse. Now, it seems to me that force feeding horses is a bad thing, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a horse nutrition expert. I am, however, an expert at Googling things, which is exactly what I did with comedian Carmen Legala and Jesus and Marrow producer Muna Mera during our live show at WNYC's Green Space. And together, we got to the bottom of a very odd thing we all say, let the cat out of the bag. 
I feel like this might be one of those sayings that you find out it has some like sordid past, and you're like, oh my god, this is based on some 1700 story where people were stuffing cats in bags mm-hmm. to like ward off the plague or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the energy this saying is bringing. I'll be honest, it's not a good vibe. It's true. Well, there is something. There is something sort of violent feeling about it. Like right? the cat would let itself out of the bag if it yeah. wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Let the cat let itself out of the bag. <laughs> Would you like to know the actual origins of this phrase? Sure. Nobody actually knows, according to Snopes. Nobody actually knows. But there's a rumor on the internet that it came from some sort of like medieval European practice of selling suckling pigs at markets, and they would put the suckling pig in a bag. And apparently, according to the rumors on the internet, which are false, people who are unscrupulous would try to cheat you by shoving a cat in a bag instead (laughs) of the suckling pig. And you get home and be like, oh, no, it's a cat. But this is highly unlikely to be true for a number of reasons. The first of which is that if you are standing there and someone hands you a bag and you think it's a pig and it's actually a cat, you're probably going to notice before you get home, right? That's probably not going to be a widespread thing that happens over and over. I mean, they did actually sell pigs in bags, which is kind of sad to think about. But I like your point, though. The cat will let itself out of the bag. Okay, so from now on, when you want to say that someone is revealing a secret, what do we say? Let the cat... Let, Let itself out of, out the, of bag. the bag. <laughs> all right. Can we all agree to do that from now on? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I just said it the other day. It wasn't weird at all, at least for me. I, I don't know about the people I was talking to, but I felt fine. That's all the time we have for Cat Facts today, which is good because my brain is full. My brain, of course, weighs about 1,300 grams. My cat Grendel's brain weighs about 30 grams, but she knows a lot more about pigeons than I do. Speaking of Grendel, next week on Let's Talk About Cat Summer Camp, the finale, we're going to bring you something a little different. For the very first time, I'm going to tell you the whole true story of how Grendel and I met. It is quite a story. It's one I've never told before on the show, so please stay tuned for that. There's blood, there's screaming, there are surprises, but I promise there is also a happy ending. Once again, I'm Mary Phillips Sandy. My cat is Grendel. Our producer is reigning Jeopardy champion Lizzie Jacobs. Our theme song is by Poingley with additional music by The English Muffins. Our show logo is by Julia Emiliani. Visit us at letstalkaboutcats.com, and I'll talk to you again soon about cats. Let's talk about cats. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.